are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can do so on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 355. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 696 to 705. Chapter 17. The angel Gabriel sent as ambassador to the Most Blessed Mary to inform her that she still had three years of life, and what happened to St. John and to all nature at this news. 696. In a writing of what still remains of the history of Our Lady, of our only and heavenly Phoenix, the Most Blessed Mary, it is no more than right that our hearts be filled with tenderness and our eyes with tears at the sweet and touching marvels of the last years of her life. I should wish to exhort the devout faithful not to read of them, nor consider them as past and absent, since the powerful virtue of faith can make these truths present to the mind. And if we look upon them with a proper piety and Christian devotion, without a doubt we shall gather the sweetest fruit, and our hearts shall feel the effects and rejoice in the good which our eyes cannot see. 697. The Most Holy Mary had arrived at the age of 67 years, without having tarried in her career, ceased in her flight, mitigated the flame of her love, or lessened the increase of her merits from the first instant of her conception. As all this had continued to grow in each moment of her life, the ineffable gifts, benefits, and favors of the Lord had made her entirely godlike and spiritual. The affectionate ardors and desires of her most chaste heart did not allow her any rest outside the center of her love. The bounds of the flesh were most violently irksome. The overwhelming attraction of the divinity to unite itself with her, with eternal and most close bonds, according to our mode of speaking, had attained the summit of power in her. And the earth itself, made unworthy by the sins of mortals to contain the treasure of heaven, could no longer bear the strain of withholding her from the true Lord. 
The Eternal Father desired his only and true daughter, the Son, his beloved and most loving mother, and the Holy Ghost, the embraces of his most beautiful spouse. The angels longed for their queen, the saints for their great lady, and all the heavens mutely awaited the presence of their empress, who should fill them with glory, with her beauty and delight. All that could be alleged in favor of her still remaining in the world and in the church was the need of such a mother and mistress, and the love which God himself had for the miserable children of Adam. 698. But as some term and end was to be placed to the earthly career of our queen, the divine consistory, according to our mode of understanding, conferred upon the manner of glorifying the most blessed mother, and established the kind of loving reward due to her for having so copiously fulfilled all the designs of the divine mercy among the children of Adam, during the many years in which she had been the foundress and teacher of his holy church. The Almighty, therefore, resolved to delight and console her by giving her definite notice of the term still remaining of her life, and revealing to her the day and hour of the longed-for end of her earthly banishment. For this purpose, the Most Blessed Trinity dispatched the Archangel Gabriel with many others of the celestial hierarchies, who should announce to the queen when and how her mortal life should come to an end and pass over into the eternal. 699. The holy prince descended with the rest to the cenacle in Jerusalem and entered the oratory of the great lady, where they found her prostrate on the ground in the form of a cross, asking mercy for sinners. But hearing the sound of their music and perceiving them present, she rose to her knees in order to hear the message and show respect to the ambassador of heaven and his companions, who in white and refulgent garments surrounded her with wonderful delight and reverence. All of them had come with crowns and palms in their hands, each one with a different one. But all of them represented the diverse premiums and rewards of inestimable beauty and value to be conferred upon their great queen and lady. Gabriel saluted her with the Ave Maria, and added thereto, Our Empress and Lady, the Omnipotent, and the Holy of the Holy sends us from the heavenly court to announce to thee in his name the most happy end of thy pilgrimage and banishment upon earth and mortal life. Soon, O Lady, is that day and hour approaching, in which, according to thy longing desires, thou shalt pass through natural death to the possession of the eternal and immortal life, which awaits thee in glory, and at the right hand of the divine Son, our God. Exactly three years from today, thou shalt be taken up and received into the everlasting joy of the Lord, where all its inhabitants await thee, longing for thy presence. 700. The Most Holy Mary heard this message with ineffable jubilee of her purest and most loving spirit, and prostrating herself again upon the earth, she answered in the same words as at the incarnation of the word, Ecce ancilla domini fiat mihi secundum verbuntum. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. Then she asked the holy angels and ministers of the Most High to help her give thanks for this welcome and joyful news. The Blessed Mother alternately with the seraphim and other angels sang the responses of a canticle that lasted for two hours. Although by their nature and supernatural gifts the angelic spirits are so subtle, wise, and excellent, they were nevertheless excelled in all this by their queen and lady, as vassals are by their sovereign. 
For in her grace and wisdom abounded as in a teacher, in them only as in disciples. Having finished this canticle and humiliating herself anew, she charged the supernal spirits to beseech the Lord to prepare her for the passage from mortal to eternal life, and to ask all the other angels and saints in heaven to pray for the same favor. They offered to obey her in all things, and therewith St. Gabriel took leave and returned with all his company to the Empyrean heaven. 701. The great queen and lady of all the universe remained alone in her oratory, and amid tears of humble joy prostrated herself upon the earth, embraced it as the common mother of us all, saying, Earth, I give thee thanks as I ought, because without my merit thou hast sustained me sixty-seven years. Thou art a creature of the Most High, and by his will thou hast sustained me until now. I ask thee now to help me during the rest of my dwelling upon thee so that just as I have been created of thee and upon thee, I may through thee and from thee be raised to the blessed vision of my Maker. She addressed also other creatures, saying, Ye heavens, planets, stars, and elements created by the powerful hands of my beloved, faithful witnesses and proclaimers of his greatness and beauty, you also I thank for the preservation of my life. Help me from today on, that with the divine favor I may begin anew to perfect my life, during the time left of my career, in order that I may show myself thankful to my and your Creator. 702. The third anniversary of the day, following this message, according to the prediction of the archangel, was to be the day of the glorious transition of the Most Blessed Mary. But from the very hour in which she received the announcement, she became so inflamed with the fires of divine love, and so multiplied her exercises of devotion, that it seemed as if she wished to make up for any relaxation or negligence in her fervor up to that time. The traveler hastens his footsteps when a great part of the way is still before him. As the day declines, the laborer or the merchant redoubles his exertions when evening overtakes him before the completion of his task. But our great queen hastened on her heroic efforts, not for fear of the approaching night or the risks of journeying in the dark, but urged on by the loving desires of the eternal light. And in order to enter more rich and prosperous into everlasting joys of the Lord, she immediately wrote to the apostles and disciples to encourage them in their labors for the conversion of the world and thereafter, during these three years, more frequently than before, repeated her injunctions. She used still greater diligence in exhorting and confirming the faithful, living near her by her personal intercourse. Although she kept her own secret, yet her behavior was that of who begins to take her departure and desires to leave her friends rich and prosperous, filled with celestial benedictions. 703. But in regard to the evangelist St. John, she had reason to take a different course, for she regarded him as her son who attended upon her and assisted her in a special manner. Hence it seemed good to the Most Blessed Lady to inform him of the message regarding her death. After some days, therefore, and after having asked his permission and blessing, she said to him, Thou dost already know, my son and master, that among the creatures of the Most High I am most indebted of all, and under the greatest obligations to submit to his holy will. If all other creatures are subject to him, certainly in me ought to be fulfilled entirely, all his pleasure for time and eternity." And thou, my son, shouldst help me in this fulfillment, as one who knows by how many titles I belong, body and soul, to my God and Lord. In his condescending mercy he has revealed to me that the end of my mortal life is near, 
and that from the day on which I have been thus informed, there remain only three more years of banishment until my passage into eternal life. I beseech thee, my son, to aid me during the short space of time, in order that I labor in giving thanks to the Most High, and render him some return for the immense blessings I have received of his most liberal love. I beseech thee from the bottom of my heart, pray for me. 704. These words of the Most Blessed Mother tore the heart of St. John, and unable to restrain his sorrow and his tears, he answered, My mother and my lady, thy will and that of the Most High. I am bound to obey in whatever thou commandest. Although my merits are far below what they ought to be and what I desired, but do thou, most loving mother, help thy poor child, who is to be left an orphan, deprived of thy most desirable company. St. John could add no more because of the sighs and tears pressed from him by his sorrow. Although the loving queen encouraged and consoled him by sweet and efficacious words, Yet on that day the heart of the apostle was as pierced by a dart of pain and sorrow, which struck him and caused him to wither like the flowers in their bloom, which, when at evening, they are about to be deprived of the sun. And after having followed and been rejoiced in its light, in its course during the day, saddened and close up at evening, lest he should lose his life in this affliction, the most blessed mother came to the relief of St. John by her loving promises assuring him that she would be his mother and advocate with her divine son. He informed St. James the Less, who as Bishop of Jerusalem, and according to the orders of St. Peter mentioned above, assisted St. John in the service of the Empress of the world. From that time on, the two apostles, mindful of what was coming, were still more solicitous in their attendance upon their queen and lady. This was especially true of the evangelist, who would not leave her presence. 705. During this course of these three last years of the life of our Queen and Lady, the divine power permitted a certain hidden and sweet force to throw all nature into her mourning and sorrow at the prospective death of her who by her life beautified and perfected all creation. The holy apostles, although they were scattered over the earth, began to feel new anxiety and misgivings regarding the time when they should be deprived of their mistress and her help. For already the divine light intimated to them that this event could not be far off. The others of the faithful, living in Jerusalem and in the country around, began secretly to feel their treasure and joy should not be theirs much longer. The heavens, the stars, and planets lost much of their brightness and beauty, like the day at the approach of night. The birds of the air fell into singular demonstrations of sorrow during these last years. A great multitude of them ordinarily gathered where the most blessed Mary happened to be. Surrounding her oratory in unusual flight and motions, they uttered instead of their natural songs sorrowful notes, as if they were lamenting and groaning in their grief, until the lady herself ordered them again to praise their creator in their natural and musical tones. Of this miracle, St. John was often a witness, joining them in their lamentations. A few days before the transition of the Heavenly Mother, innumerable hosts of the little birds gathered, laying their heads and beaks upon the ground, picking at their breasts and groans, like some one taking farewell forever and asking the last benediction. This concludes our reading today for day number 355. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 17. Paragraphs 696 to 705.
see here in our reading today the similarity between the Annunciation of the Incarnation and now the Annunciation of the Transition of Mary from this life to the next. Mary says the same word, Let it be done to me according to thy word. The angel Gabriel tasked with coming to her and announcing soon, in three years, you will leave this earth. She's gone to the Empyrean heavens, as we've heard in the last several days and over the course of our reading, but now she's going to be there full time. She just won't be a passing guest, but she will be a resident truly of that mystical city of God. For some people involved in different devotional movements, for example, I know some who listen to this belong to the Divine Will movement of uh, Luisa Picaretta. I know of another movement called the Flame of Love, and one of the things we've heard in our readings from time to time, we've heard about the Divine Will or the fiat and and the people of the Divine Will movement often will comment on that, that they that really resonates with them. And, and because they're so formed in that thought of Luisa Picaretta. But today we heard a few times about the fires of divine love and the fire of her fervor. So there is this language being used. Now, I don't know anything about the flame of love devotion, but it's in my mind. And so hearing it made me think of it. And uh, I wonder, you know, if there's a correlation, not much, but beside the fact that Maria of Agreda uses that name, that title, Fires of Divine Love. And then we begin to see the anticipation of the apostles of Mary's departure. They become aware of it. It's been intimated to them by the divine. They have this sense that the time is drawing near. And I think sometimes in our own life we might have that, where when we're so close to God, like we can anticipate, we can sense that God is going to do something amazing right now. Or I have to be ready because I know something is going to happen. And that's how the apostles are right now. They know that something is going to happen with Our Lady. They're beginning to have anticipated sadness. And I guess there's that anticipated sadness when Someone has a loved one who's in the process of dying, maybe in hospice, or maybe they're, they have dementia. And so there's that anticipation that death will one day come, that they will no longer be with us. So for those who have felt something like that, well, that's the emotion of the apostles in our reading today. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.